0: Welcome, everyone. The Watchmen podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official unofficial podcast for Watchmen on HBO. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete.
1: Hello, Matt. Hello, everyone. The Watchmen podcast by Fantastic Geek pulls off our masks for episode 104. If you don't like my story, write your own. Here we are approaching the midpoint of the
0: show, also at the midpoint of our rather crazy podcasting week, uh, of course, podcasting Godfriended Me on Monday, the series premiere of Mandalorian yesterday, doing Watchmen today, some Star Trek tomorrow, watching Mandalorian again on Friday, podcasting 102 on Saturday. Wouldn't want to be doing it any other way, particularly with our great listeners that join us across the family of Fantastic Geek
1: Podcasts. Absolutely, and as we tick-tock ever closer to a fantastic geek record of 160 podcasts, uh, ever closer with this one, and uh, just overjoyed our cup runneth over to bring you all this geeky goodness. And now it's time to look under the hood of this episode. An egg cracks leaving Watchmen written in yoke as Islands in the Stream by Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton plays at the egg stand on the Clark Acres Farms, but nobody's stopping to buy the freshest eggs in Oklahoma. The wife goes to bring the eggs in and trips on the porch but the husband grabs one before it rolls off, smiling. The couple enjoys dinner, puts together a puzzle, and brushes their teeth before settling in for bed when the doorbell rings.
0: Indeed, ding-dong, it's Lady True at the door. She is a trillionaire. She's building more than a clock. It's rumored that she's never come out, but here she is. How can the rumors be true? She's going to focus on them for a whole three minutes, Pete, perhaps shades of the uh, the major dad character in House of Cards who would only answer questions yes or no. He was that important. She's giving them the three minutes. She turns her hourglass over. Uh, she would like their house and the 40 acres that it sits on. Yes, it's a family farm and part of a legacy. But legacy isn't the land. It's blood generation to generation. And Pete, they have no children.
1: They don't. The doorbell rings again. Lady True speaks Vietnamese. We don't get a subtitle, unlike later in the episode. I love anybody out there speaking Vietnamese to pick up on what was said. She returns from the interruption to explain that legacy isn't in land. It's in blood. Points out the couple, as you said, no children. When they die, they'll be extinct. She got rich from Advanced pharmaceutical, and biomedical tech. Her holdings include thousands of clinics, one being the Sooner Fertility Partners in Tulsa. Ten years ago, the Clarks went there uh, trying to conceive, but they couldn't. Mrs. Clark was told her eggs were non-viable, and to that Lady True says BS. Katie Clark becomes upset, and Lady True tells her And John she's not there to offer money for the land but for their legacy a child Katie wants her to leave not believing lady true can make them a baby but she's not going to make them a baby she already has
0: indeed as things get more and more surprising uh, she has and it's at the doorstep with her uh, her subordinate there who we will learn later is uh, her daughter uh, lady true brings in the, the the swaddled baby here's your son your biological son oh I'll throw in five million dollars to an account for you know baby stuff or college or whatever uh and they have 30 seconds to decide oh would you like to hold him or should he be destroyed ha ha, ha. just <laughs> just joking ha 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 make your decision 25 seconds
1: such a great scene and we've been building and building to the reveal of Lady True and the mystery in the first 3 episodes only helps to give the payoff with this scene that 5 million dollars relocation cost baby food college education you know whatever non-trillionaires need with their you know biological offspring etc Um, but it's, uh, John grabs the baby notes, has Katie's eyes. Uh, Katie grabs the paper and she, uh, signs there. And just then the electricity buzzes, the lights rattle. There's roaring overhead outside as an object lands with a loud boom on the farm. What is it? Whatever it is, it's Lady True's now. Because she just got the farm. I get it.
0: Uh, We then go to Angela's bakery. Eggs are still out. Wheelchair still abandoned. Hey, Pete, you remember that from a couple episodes ago? Uh, Angela cleans up the evidence of having held Will. Uh, She chops up the wheelchair, too. Uh, She's prepared to burn his watch over this boy letter and then doesn't. And it was like, Pete, I didn't think she'd actually burn it. But boy, they got me good there. Oh. Then the phone rings, a message gets left. There's a new branch in Will's family that has been found. Then suddenly the letter is on fire because she's not paying attention. Uh, Turns out that the answer to life's mysteries is life's histories. At least that's what the uh, Treasury Secretary says on the phone. With that, Pete, take us from day to sister night.
1: She calls the squad asking if they got a silent alarm at the Greenwood Cultural Center. They have not. She reports she's on-site and someone broke the side door. She's going to check the premises. If they get an alarm trip, it's just her. Because it's really just her. Uh, She does not want the squad car because she breaks the window to unlock and enter the door. Her presence triggers a holographic fireman display from May 31st, 1921. Then she says... Her name into the kiosk, Matt. She's broken in here, and then she leaves verbal forensic evidence on the kiosk.
0: She does, and I guess time will tell whether that's a story necessity or maybe in a couple of weeks we'll get you know uh, the uh, disclosure and privacy forms for the Greenwood Cultural Center up there on PDPedia, and any name entered is triple encoded or. Whatever it might be. But in the short term, uh, she asks the kiosk to uh, show her her family tree. Reference is made to an acorn. I'm like, oh, that's a cool name for kdunk. No, it's an actual, like, you know, (laughs) synthetic acorn. And she's going to go to the Ancestry, which sounds one way. Then they show the sign, (laughs) Ancest-T-R-E-E. It's great. If nothing else, Pete, the Greenwood Cultural Center, and I suppose other uh, places of historical importance, really interesting and dynamic and user-friendly interface here.
1: With each passing episode, and just so we're clear, I explained to Matt off mic, my notes here are over 3,000 words. The commitment of this writer's room to complex storytelling and the amount of time that uh, they were congregated just continues to pay off. Um, That acorn put into sucked into a tube, uh, producing a holographic family tree, a chime sounds and a new branch on her father's side is now available. She taps her father, Marcus bar and her paternal grandparents appear june abar was in the archives but will is not with 99.947 certainty matt got that almost complete certainty but just a little wiggle room for doubt will is her grandfather um she sees her great grandparents obi williams we had previously just gotten the OB. Okay, Uh, born in Louisiana, 1891, enlisted in the army, fought against the Germans in France in World War One, where of course he got that leaflet, which turned into the letter to protect uh, his son. Um, He returned to Tulsa, reunited with his childhood sweetheart Ruth Robeson, and uh, they had one son, but his name was lost in the fires that consumed Greenwood's records. There was one archival photo with his parents it's displayed there okay and it's a great overlay again the the visual style that this show works in you could see this on a comic page and then for it to become a motion comic on your tv screen the overlay of the hologram and angela and the badge on the little boy the badge on her hip it's poetry
0: oh it is and of course it's also at the uh the benefit of the story the conclusion of uh the ancestry is that uh, will the boy was killed in the 1921 attack Angela says that their child isn't dead he just disappeared and 100 years later appeared blew up her life and disappeared there's kind of increasing poignancy here she says he's had an impact then she adds now leave her the F alone Exactly.
1: There's a crash. A woman outside is laughing and we very rapidly figure out we're picking up where last week's episode left off. It's Lori. Um, She draws on Angela. The car is honking and Angela approaches. She reaches under the driver's side wheel and removes a remote to stop it, indicating it's her car. Uh, Sister Knight calls dispatch to report a stolen vehicle recovered on Greenwood Avenue, the 100 block. She needs a tow and she finds Will's pills in the glove compartment, but closes it before Laurie can see them.
0: Laurie also notes, you know, it fell out of the sky, this car, and ultimately she'll leave Angela to it. There's a quick, rather cutting remark of Cool Costume. Uh, With Lori gone, Angela takes the pills. Uh, She ultimately heads back home where Cal and Rosie and Emma are asleep in uh, the big bed. Topher is awake, though, and he talks with Angela. He's holding on to his old stuffed animal, reflecting on seeing the seventh cavalry uh, guy get shot in the head last episode. He asks, was Angela scared when she saved the day? She says yes, and Pete, he... He reaches down, he offers his stuffy to her.
1: Looks a little like Bubastis, or there was another stuffed animal in this episode that did as well. Um, And there's, there's something going on with Topher. I mean, when she enters, his room is bathed in blue light with stars. There's all sorts of theories floating around as to what... Might be going on with him. We will definitely return to that in the morning, Matt, yet again with the eggs whisked here. Cal is making breakfast uh, and uh, speaking to Angela quietly about the car, how it fell out of the sky, the FBI agent, all of this. What was she doing there in the middle of the night? She broke into the cultural center. She's she's not acting rationally now, Calvin. <laughs> um, and then the fight between the children at the breakfast table, Topher is saying that Uncle Judd didn't go to heaven when he blowed up.
0: Yeah, and did Uncle Judd go to heaven when he blowed it up? Uh, the surprising thing here, certainly more... Meet for us to discuss Cal rationally explaining to the kids that there is no heaven above us nor hell below us we just don't exist then we exist then we don't exist and Pete I know it took some people online uh to surprise that he was so Frank about this um certainly I guess there's a larger meta commentary about religion and lack and so on and so forth but He very plainly is explaining his worldview, and I don't see Angela disagreeing much one way or the other.
1: It's the truth. He says it's definitely something to tuck into a little bit later. Great transition from the waffle iron to the gate in um, Wade's backyard here. Angela goes to see him, bangs on a rusty bunker door. Um, sorry about the mess. It's been a couple weeks since the last squid fall when the sirens stopped, he knew it wasn't a big one. So he, uh, he grabbed his camera and hustled up so he could get as many pictures before they dissolve. The poor bastards rained down on us from another dimension, probably just as confused as we are 30 seconds of life and they spend it all dying. You're weird. Pete it a weird scene a bit
0: unclear like is his hatch entrance in the middle of the neighborhood is you know which it kind of does appear to be um obviously my point is it's kind of so it's so lived in and it's so obvious it's kind of you know it's not this you know the, the the secret basement that Dan Dryberg had back in the 80s that sort of thing um And ultimately, though, she's there to ask him to ask his ex about Will's pills. Uh, So if you haven't MacGuffin'd, you're MacGuffin enough. There you go. This will all be off the books. And he, of course, is a bit uh, bit reluctant there. She says, wasn't the break amicable? And uh, he then replies, does this have to do with the chief's murder? Uh, Angela calls him a racist and Wade, uh, speaking of the chief uh, and Wade says that he was a white man in Oklahoma. Uh, Pete, isn't Wade a white man in Oklahoma too?
1: Yeah. The very interesting potential rationalizing of this, Um, the robe and the hood having been hidden in the closet. Uh, He asks if Angela thinks that he was cavalry, um, And uh, of course she does. Looks like we've got ourselves a reckoning. This is old school. He takes it. Crawford's granddaddy was a lawman. Maybe it's just a keepsake. Again, the potential rationalization. But uh, he's going to hold on to it for her. You know, so the FBI lady won't find it. The pills, neither. Careful about that one. The FBI lady. She's... Extremely weird, says the guy who has a bunker where he develops uh darkroom photos of Squid before they dissolve.
0: Speaking of weird, Pete, time
1: moves on. Sister Knight is
0: out and about. She has her garbage from cleaning up from Will's visit, uh puts it in a in a in a truck or a train headed out of town. Uh, then is noticed by a gaunt silver spandex superhero. Uh, both run. We see in the chase the silver person sprays themselves with something. Uh, we're about to find out it's something quite lubricated and slides into the sewer, like full run onto the back in there, gone. Uh, Pete, what just happened?
1: This was the most bonkers thing ever, and I love every moment of it. Seems to have goggles on on top of the spandex to maintain the uh the identity a belt with two holsters with clear ketchup bottle style um bottles loaded there with uh yeah some kind of lubricant we never get that's what i want i want the forensics report in the next episode you know and i want i want red scare to tell us this is KY Jelly. Um, In Russian, it would be pronounced such and such. I mean. You ever hear of (laughs) Astral Glide?
0: It's it's just an insane moment. uh,
1: We're leaving out the most insane part of it. How he makes himself slim enough to slip through a sewer grate.
0: Well,. He or she does seem slim in general. I admit, you know, was this a practical effect? No way. Of course, there was a computer element there to get the image, you know, the one through the other. But look, this is a this is a world that is scant on superpowers. So I assume this is just a really fit, thin person who figured out, oh man, I can go on the surface and you know do good or do evil and then slip back into the sewers. Turtle power, Pete. Turtle power.
1: It, it must have taken two weeks in the writer's room, Matt, to, to crack the scene. But again, we win because of that time spent. Um, Angela returns to the precinct here. She's in the elevator. Uh, she's got the lube bottle. And Joe Jr., um, joseph Keene jr the senator is on the other side there just finishing up a conversation that you can't fool a fly with uh you know excrement i thanks angela for saving his life um but wait is is he not supposed to know who she is sorry should have known i had a target on my back I, i wouldn't have been there it wouldn't have happened And she tells him that he's right and that he should try not to get kidnapped next time. You have a nice day, detective. You too, Senator.
0: It's now officially reached a point that he's too nice and too whoopsie. I have insider information to just be, oh shucks, it was a red herring all along. He actually is just a a good, well-meaning, right-leaning guy, uh, no, there's there'd be devil horns in that well coiffed hair. Just uh, give it some time. Angela continues to pirate Jenny and Red Scare. Again, the show doing a good job of making things look slightly weird. Like, there they are, just at work, dressed in their ridiculous outfits. You know, at the two desks pushed together, like you do with a bullpen in a police precinct. Um, they ultimately couldn't care less about the hero's lube belt the new boss won't care about lube man uh turns out their new boss at least temporarily at least in spirit is Lori blake fbi she's got a hit on the prince in her car it's a mystery man named william reeves uh pete he was a cop in new york city in the 40s and 50s seems to me like he might have an interest in enforcing the laws and such back then more on that later um with that Pete, tell me about the wheelchairs.
1: Well, people who were uh, fighting crime in the 40s and the 50s are usually 100 years old by now, and they need wheelchairs. Um, So the tension between Lori and Angela continues to build. um, But uh, doesn't Petey or Lube Man knock? Oh
0: my, that's the... That's the ground you're, you're going for? That's an interesting one indeed. Uh, regardless, Pete, Petey's there. Uh, he has a little whispered secret for Laurie. Uh, there's another lead on the car, and then they go off to follow that lead. Uh, Lori thinks of all of this, because we got Lori, we got Petey, we got Angela in the car. This is a thermodynamic miracle. It's all connected, man. Pete did, did. Warner Brothers and DC (laughs) uh, and HBO just fire across the bow of our sweet 60-year-old saint, that of Marvel, one Jeff Loeb, who said, hashtag, it's all connected.
1: If only the uh, one-time head of uh, Marvel TV was going to be available soon, and uh, his, his famed catchphrase that connected universe of of tv and film thrown out here i I think more so with with faux reverence than in in mocking but uh lori are
0: you proposing that showrunner damon lindelof might hire uh esteemed tv and comic book and extended universe writer jeff Loeb, like happened in season two of lost
1: i was just gonna say he did that lost you never know matt it's it's all connected but uh, Lori talks about uh, these thermodynamic miracles, which comes directly from the comics. Her ex, Dr. Manhattan, used to talk about them when he wasn't talking about quarks. Um, and uh, she saw Cal today, too. So they had a nice chat. Uh, didn't tell me you guys met in Vietnam. You got family there. No, my parents died when I was little. Ooh, an orphan. And now you wear the mask.
0: Yes, all this kind of circular teasing, both within the text and without it, this notion of the sad backstory, uh, what has been the trauma to incite the masked hero. Uh, It also, Pete, is just a handy way to get some exposition to better understand Angela's past. Uh, what's Lori's trauma? Uh, Petey brings Angela up to speed about the comedian and Silk Spectre and the sexual assault and all of that. Uh, the conversation and the drive.
1: Like on the Minutemen, Matt?
0: Like on the p- on the Minutemen, but... P- p- they <laughs> twist things so much, their Petey's, TV shows. P- Petey's
1: p- p- disgust at the show. That show is garbage <laughs> and loaded with historical inaccuracies uh i'm sorry dale peaty uh beloved upon his original appearance last episode just continues to get better if he is not loopman, man here to save us all here to to lubricate the scales of justice i'm gonna be really disappointed
0: lubricating the wheels of the story uh giving handy exposition because let's not forget pete and i think sometimes you and i do forget this is a show that has to play to people who are familiar with the graphic novel and people who have never read it so for us this is like this is like info share you know oh hey you weren't at the important scene last time now i will tell you about important scene it's, it's doing that for Angela. It's also educating a percentage of the audience that might not know. Or, you know, in the case of my wife, who, like, remembers the movie from 10 years ago, um, but hasn't watched it since then, this is precisely the thing to go, oh, yeah, you know, uh, Denny from uh, Grey's Anatomy, there was that pretty terrible uh, revelation about him and, uh, you know, Lori Blake's mom here. Got it. Now we're all up to speed.
1: It really is an art, too, and elevated here. Um, you know, then Petey, as the everyman, tells it again to the audience, so we get it more clearly. Well, her dad tried to rape her mom. Um, and, uh, you know, they, well, they've they had yeah. this time together in the car, getting from A to B, but now they're there, and Angela might want to use her mask to protect herself. They enter the gate Here of the true industries compound. And there is a gigantic structure with huge drones cabling parts up. This, of course, the millennium clock that beyond tells us in a moment, it tells time. And couldn't
0: those six large scale drones, couldn't they pick up a car? Uh, Selma can't answer that, but beyond true's daughter can. Uh, Please, let's go see Lady True in the Vivarium. However, ladies only. Sorry, Petey. Um, Beyond monologues about the Lighthouse of Alexandria, the Colossus of Rhodes, Pete, these great wonders of the ancient world. This, however, is the first wonder of the new world. This place can't be damaged by hurricanes nor earthquakes. It's function to tell time. Stick a pin in that for later. Uh, It's also a little piece of vietnam what with the flora the fauna the temperature etc and hey detective knight is from vietnam too as we enter the vivarium and pete there's the iconic blue butterfly (laughs) as seen in the other vivarium in the graphic novel
1: yeah uh the humidity here they got to get it just right um on her deathbed uh lady true's mother made her promise to never leave vietnam so she found the loophole she never leaves it it never leaves her um and this shared connection this conversation uh these three women um between angela lady true and uh agent blake having this conversation sharing things common in their background. And then we start throwing out the Vietnamese, Matt, you know, that little expression about grief. Your grandfather wants to know if you got the pills.
0: And, uh, Angela's other reply in Vietnamese, (laughs) the other, uh, Vietnamese, uh, saying here, uh, he can ask for them himself. Pete. I also think there are some naughty words in there
1: too. Haven't heard that one. It's quite beautiful. And then uh, Laurie's reaction to the gold statue of Adrian Vite is truly priceless. For a truly great man, he looks so old because he is old. In Lady True's culture, elders are revered, but this is America, sweetheart, and he looks like s
0: indeed uh we see his old ozzy statue too and uh, quite the spinning image of jeremy irons with that pete we cut to jeremy irons playing adrian veidt checking what appear to be normally fish traps or lobster traps uh instead pete in my notes he finds a baby robot thing um i guess some debate as to which end of the spectrum the creatures actually are but
1: why are you putting robot in there?
0: Well, I guess Pete, because I have a hard time squaring the idea that these are full-on organic babies that he somehow is speeding up. Um, I, I, it's it's supported not at all by the episode. It's just my own my own desire for these not to be completely organic things that he is treating so poorly. Um, that
1: some are you know useful. Others throws back into this lake. I mean, this is its own episode within this, but uh, you know, he, he goes back to what appears to be an old laboratory. He's got two gray babies, puts them in a device, turns the wheels, gas hisses. The babies are crying, the camera hands away and we're like oh my god what what horrible thing is he doing to them puts on the uh, phonograph with some reggae and uh, we notice that the lord of the country estate has blood on his clothes now more in the light um, his hair is must he has another piece of that cake we've seen again and again over the different years and then comes back to the device where the babies are now a naked Phillips and Crookshanks spinning around. Happy birthday.
0: He also explains that they don't know what they are. So Pete, again, my, you know, my my reluctance to call them wholly organic. Um, if there's some evidence, it's from there, but it's tenuous indeed. Um, but uh, he says that he's their master, but he isn't their maker. Uh, Pete, I hope it's C-3PO. Uh, to be alive, one needs purpose, and they have no purpose other than to serve. Uh, they enter the manor. Uh, it's messy, and we start to see more wide shots. There are many dead servants around, and uh, Vite says that he had a rough night. Uh, indeed, there's even a dead Phillips with a horseshoe that Vite takes back angrily. Pete, to the catapult
1: he doesn't need that horseshoe yet four candles visible on the cake there he conceivably got the piece to eat a little later uh crookshanks uh catapults a body and it disappears as uh the lord watches it through a telescope into the clouds he's taking measurements in a book And then explains it's been four years since he was sent there. Whoa, hold on, Pete. How many years? (laughs) Like the candles? Four.
0: Okay. Please continue.
1: He thought it was a paradise, but it's not. Matt Lafferty told him after episode one, it was a prison.
0: Twice own twist. What is good is bad. What is beautiful is ugly. What is paradise? Nay, is a prison.
1: But with his servants' help, their lives, their broken, mangled bodies, one way or another, he will escape this god-forsaken place. To your merits, Miss Cruikshanks.
0: The camera then transitions to a shot of the moon, I think the camera is suggesting I don't know that the script is or the show or Lindelof or whatever. The camera suggests that maybe they are on the moon. Uh, I'm not married to that as a theory, but I think that's put forth as a theory by by the camera work here. Back in Tulsa, Angela is home at night. Cal's waiting up reading. Things fall apart. Uh (laughs) Pete, anytime characters read interestingly titled works that could reflect their inner monologue, uh, one should watch out. Uh, she spoils the ending, trying to pick a fight with him. Uh, when was he going to share that the woman from the FBI came? Uh, she asked about who called the night Judd died, and uh, he didn't share a thing, but did lay out a whole series of crazy events. He hates lying. Uh, haha, just kidding. However, it might be time for them to head to the closet. A winkity wink.
1: There's even more to chew into here with Cal from, as you said, the the choice of Chinua Achibis, things fall apart. The fight that Angela hopes to have now that she knows that her husband has spoken to the FBI agent, but not told her. And then, of course, he did not say all of the true things that he did there. But there's such detachment out of cal here matt the conversation before about things being nothing then being something then being nothing again i don't know man there's there's something going on
0: add to that pete the blink and you could miss it moment where angela references cal's having had an accident
1: yeah which remains another thing we, we can't even theorize just yet but It's not as if there have been other characters in the Watchmen universe who have had accidents.
0: With that, we cut to Beyond waking a true vial in her arm. Uh, She puts on her glasses and heads into the vivarium. She goes to see her mother. Beyond says that she had a nightmare. She dreamed her village was destroyed and she was forced to walk. Indeed, her feet still hurt. Uh, She is beckoned to go back to bed. She turns and says, Good night, Mr. Reeves. Good night, says Will.
1: Yeah, the disclosure that a younger appearing Will is there. Um, Where were they, he and Lady True, in this discussion over tea? She's not worried. She's concerned and explains the difference. The pills sounds like total writer's room banter. Passive aggressive exposition. Uh, if you want her to know who you are, just tell her. And we as the viewers were like, wait, he, she knows who Will is. Um, but he maintains that she will not listen. She has to experience things for herself. And I love the expression out of Lady True and her frustration is real. This is too cute by half. Uh, yet She seems to be doing the same thing with her daughter. No, it's entirely different. And this is the source of her concern. When families involved, judgment gets cloudy, feet get cold, deals get broken. Will walks
0: away rather steadily from the conversation. How much longer, he asks. Three days is the answer. Oh man, Pete, story clock. Uh, he betrayed Angela's family, and in three days, Angela will know he's in TikTok. With that, they behold the millennium clock, even as a drone flies up and up and up. Let's crack open the crank file to dive into some crackpot theories. First one, Pete. So, Katie and John are analogs for. Martha and Jonathan Kent, right? Uh, I mean, th- they have the farm, they have no children. They're one of the they're, two of the men are called John in that situation. I mean, come on.
1: But let's consider that, uh, they, they take the payout. They accept the child and leave the farm. And then something which never gets referenced again in this episode Lands on the farm that they've now given up. So yes, absolute points for the Superman homage. If if only Watchmen and DC had the rights to that one. Um, but at the same time, it's it's misdirection.
0: And I think that then leads to the question: uh, Is what landed a who or a what? If we are going for a Superman type analogy, obviously in the original, it is you know, baby Kal-El that lands and becomes their son. Here we have the human son handed over. Pete, person or thing that landed? It's not
1: clear. I mean, it seems to slow down, which to me denotes that. But what is most unclear is the timeline when that is happening. Um, Are we to believe this is concurrent or right at the beginning of this story. Yes, mention is made, you're building the Millennium Clock, you never come out, et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't mean it's right at the beginning of what's going on in the rest of this episode. This could have been far before that. I imagine that Millennium Clock has taken some time to be built.
0: And what I find so interesting is you know, Lindelof as the head of the writing room, there must be times where you have an idea and then you say, well, no, if we do too much timey-wimey stuff, then it's going to sound like Lost or then we're going to have to have an explanation about how this does or does not relate to Back to the Future. Crud, Avengers Endgame just did that. Well, you know, why don't we do a secret, there are two different uh, time, you know, storylines that appear to be one. No, uh, Westworld did that. So I wonder at what point is a good idea just a good idea? How many times can you do the story of, oh, no, they're lost and just want to make their way home? And that's not derivative, but in the nature of multiple timelines, if that is indeed what's going on. And I think that's what's going on with uh, with Vite here four different years, four different episodes. You know, when do you let yourself tell the story that you're inspired to tell versus not have the appearance of, oh, I know how it ends because I saw that other show.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's clear more than ever that that is happening before our narrative now. And I think the statue confirms that. Um, the bit at the end with Beyond with the IV, though, makes me wonder and her dream is Vite plugged in someplace? Is the prison his mind? Is he being kept? on ice and going through this experience trying to escape his own mind imprisoned that way i mean there's no way he's on the moon that is the biggest red herring possible once
0: in a red moon i do really like your theory pete that he is so clearly in a place that perhaps the answer is he is not in a place and that does check all the boxes what is this what is this prison where he's disappeared uh, and no one can find him? Well, all you need is a room and him on a gurney, that sort of thing. What is this increasingly surreal bit of circumstances where you know there is only one man-servant and one woman-servant template? Um, I think you could certainly be onto something there. Uh, Pete, perhaps of equal importance, what's the deal with Lube Man? Will... He give us the grand unifying theory that gives us answers towards everything in this show.
1: The hero we need is just in alternate 2019 Lude Man 2020. Uh, you know, <laughs> he's going to come through, save the day and, uh, you know, protect us all. Um, how he gets through that, I still can't rationalize it. Watching it again and again and the gif that it's become. <laughs> You know, dousing himself. There are people who have uh, frozen the um, the the mark that the I mean, not necessarily lube. It could be some form of oil that it makes on the street uh, that it looks like when John Osterman dematerializes, that it might be another visual play on that. Um, But he's got to be practiced in that and the whole thing with pd and knowing all the history i mean it's kind of like lube man attempts to hide in plain sight looking over on the other side of the the overpass as angela's just thrown the duffel bag filled with wheelchair parts into the back of a garbage truck and uh, nothing to see here just a dude in you know gray spandex and goggles trying to <laughs> trying to blend in oh d- don't mind the holster with the little bottles in there
0: well on the topic of blending in uh is wade aka looking glass is he a racist is he a crazy when it comes to Squidfall, uh does i feel like we got to know him much better in this episode albeit in just the one scene but it's now more questions than answers
1: well, and, and that's this type of storytelling done best. And next episode, Matt doesn't watch the previews. Everybody. There's another next. episode. I thought this was it <laughs> each
0: week. Uh, I'm I'm waiting for them to say, you know,
1: and the end and go, okay, cool. Yeah. Ne- next episode, we get a, a mirror guy story. Um, what the Wade stuff in this episode does. For me, and I think the viewer in general, is to help them understand. I mean, new people who are coming to this don't fully understand the the squid story other than what Lori has said in her joke last episode. That smarty pants, Adrian Veidt, dropped a giant squid on New York and killed three million people so that uh, we could have world peace. That – you have the two detectives here that you have mass law enforcement who are unaware of this hoax. And it is a hoax, uh, these squid falling, um, which I just hope we're going to get who's doing it and, and how it's continuing to happen next week. But part of me hopes it's a, even further payoff, but he is obsessed with it. He's taking photos of the squid there seems to be some kind of identifying empathizing with the plight of the squid ex- existentially and uh you know looking glass who dons a reflective uh mask and uh pulls details out of suspects um he's got some things to uh to look into the mirror himself
0: what is True's endgame? I keep getting this sense, perhaps because I'm being overly informed by the graphic novel, but like that, you know, this is going to be her bomb that she blows up just as, you know, she's kind of the uh the successor to Vite. Surely that can't be where we're headed. That's a bit too derivative. And then, you know, perhaps an even better question, how is Will connected to her?
1: The villain who believes She's a hero. Are we doing that? Is it the the uh, Russian nesting doll of that? She has Vite, and this is something so dastardly. Vite wouldn't even do it. Um, she seems really enamored of him. Uh, with her and her background, I I can't see how they might not attempt to tell us she is the other child of the comedian the um the vietnamese woman that uh edward blake shot in the bar in saigon that uh maybe the baby was pulled out the uh the age fits just about um although the detail about you know the mother on the deathbed could potentially work in that situation i mean geez you got lori blake there imagine if lady true is her half sister and and what could go on dramatically there
0: i really really like that as a theory uh, i think you could be you could be on something pete um dipping into the ptpedia stuff for this week i know in previous theory segments we had wondered uh first of all you know is this the owl ship are there multiple owl ships uh, there's a PTpedia, which is the uh, interrogation and mid '90s capture of uh, Lori Um it, it starts unamusingly. Pete, she has uh, stopped the uh, the uh, Oklahoma City bomber of the mid '90s, of course, referring to uh, the uh, you know the real life Murrah attack which occurred. Um, then it gets into a bit more lighter show stuff, including the fact that there is. Uh, There's the uh, Merlin Corporation, which sells these owl ships, and hello, FBI, don't you understand? It's Dan Dryberg's company. He's selling owl ships. So, Pete, one less theory to worry about.
1: Yeah, and some other far juicier details there that I think will remain just online and not on the show side
0: uh yes she reveals in her silver case there is the uh sensual massager um and she also reveals that it was uh designed and created by dan dryberg Uh, pete i sense somewhat passive aggressively um and uh then the second ptpedia uh thing is the patent for said um uh, device
1: the excalibur
0: That is indeed uh, what it is referred to. I think, Pete, that is a perfect transition point to ask. What
1: theories do you have? There's just so much detail crammed into this episode. The beginning of the episode, uh, Katie Clark is reading fog dancing by the side of the road. Matt understands that reference.
0: Yes, it, of course, written by one of the science fiction writers who were taken to the island in the graphic novel. So, Pete, that is a real deep cut and props to them pulling that one out.
1: Yes, Max Shea, the science fiction writer who helped to come up with the giant squid. The puzzle on the Clark's farm. Did you catch what it was? Oh, I did not. That's starry, starry night. Yes, the so, Van
0: Gogh. Or Van. pardon me, Pete. The Van Gogh.
1: Yes, uh, prior to whatever landing there. The Millennium Clock. Telling time seems over simplistic. You floated the notion time travel. Looks like there's super futuristic things going on there. It, it can't just be a clock right
0: well i i think certainly not a clock in the sense that we are used to it for example and this will leave a crater a mile deep and ten thousand years from now they will know of the time i was here and it's going to be oh it's not time on the the scale that we live it's going to be time on you know a a a universal galactic sense not our our small lives um So I think it's one of those things that could be true in fact, but not true by implication.
1: So the three days must refer to how long it'll be until this thing's fully operational, right?
0: I would certainly imagine so. That certainly is the vibe that was given. And then the notion now that it ties to... um, In the three days, it'll also tie back to Angela and uh will and family i think that only supports your theory that uh lady true's truth is uh connecting to other family members i.e you know Lori blake
1: the legacy aspect and we've got the mention of blood we've got the genetic manipulation here's your child all yours to seal the deal with the clarks the eggs Throughout the episode, these are egg farmers that get the baby, that the mother's eggs, uh, she was told, they weren't any good. We have the eggs with uh, Cal making the waffles, uh, everything there. The, the motifs are so strong.
0: Yeah, I mean, so many different eggs presented in this epi- episode. Uh, just really adding to the denseness of what we are watching, Uh, but not distractingly so. I think that you can very easily follow the action-adventure storyline through this. You can very easily know what are the big questions, like silver spandex guy, and what is the big plan with that tower thing? But then also so much depth here, so, so
1: much depth. The hourglass that Lady True has has elephants on it. The swaddling outfit that the baby is brought in wearing is gray, kind of looks like there's a trunk in there, might be cutesy elephant style. Um, Lady True was a real life figure in Vietnam in the third century, uh, reputed to have worn, or have worn, to have uh, ridden elephants and was considered the Joan of Arc of Vietnam.
0: Pete clearly Our Lady True pulling from that iconography, that traditional uh, iconography there. Does it go deeper than that? I mean, I suppose that would, that, that would be something that's revealed down the line. It's certainly, you know, again, it's one of those things. Is it a product of the writer's room where they're like, oh, that's cool. Let's kind of like lift some of that stuff. Or is it, oh, that's cool. We'll have her lift some of that stuff. Or is it,
1: oh man, that's leading towards a big reveal. Elephants never forget. Speaking of forgetting the leaflet that was accidentally burned and then stomped out, which may or may not even exist anymore. An intentional act, at least as far as the writers are concerned.
0: Yes, I think it's intentional from the writers, but unintentional for the uh, for for Angela. Um, It just looked like a full on, you know, full on mistake on on her end and uh i was i was very very surprised i mean just the notion of this thing this piece of history that's 100 years old and then has been through uh so much even though we've seen so little of it we've seen it go through so much um i i can't peg why they would take that prop out of story circulation um so i don't know guess time will tell
1: This new branch on Angela's family tree to her father's side just happens to open up and they call her the ninety nine point nine four seven certainty that will is her grandfather. Uh, He calls her family again at the end of the episode, but that he's betrayed her. So he seems to believe it. But is he really related to her?
0: I know you're focusing on the the tenths and hundreds and thousands I read that number as the show saying if we say 100 percent, then it's clearly a lie uh, or it's clearly a twist or it's clearly impossible but if we say 99.9947 or whatever it is that's close enough as to be as to you know give you uh, what off the top of my head, one out of, uh, I don't remember how far the number went. Pete, what was the exact number? Quickly, from your notes, chop, chop.
1: 99.947.
0: Oh, wow. So I did, <laughs> I did recall it uh, properly. Um, so that's what, one out of 10,000, if that is correct. I mean, I feel like the numbers are pretty darn good. That's the bottom line there. I feel like it's the show's way of saying, no, this is a family connection. Now you need to figure it out. So they dove-soaked us, is what you're saying. Uh, they, Pete, they just may have.
1: Um, the pills. We've seen them in the pilot. We've come back to them in the second and now the fourth episodes. Um, Will can stand. He is noticeably younger. Uh, less gray. Um, and he can walk now. So he said that they help his memory, uh... By help his memory, do they make him younger and he has a better memory?
0: His, uh, his being younger did not strike me as much as it struck you. I certainly agree that there is a vivality to him in the vivarium that, that he did not previously have. Uh, so I'm not disagreeing Look with you.
1: side-by-sides your... of him in the first episode and, and him in this one. He looks 30 years younger.
0: Well, yeah, and certainly I don't disagree that we're headed in that direction. Um, I guess the question is this: chicken or egg? Are the pills making him younger, therefore he needs them to continue heading in this direction, or were the pills uh, making him appear older? So, you know, so the nefarious purposes of him being. Him being the grandfather which i buy but if you know does he have reverse ajo syndrome a la benjamin button or something like that now the pills reverse the reverse uh this is lindelof territory here so twists may be ahead chicken or the egg i
1: see what you did there okay dr manhattan we're, we're gonna we're gonna play a lightning round here matt is tofer dr manhattan
0: I feel like no. I feel like they're holding off that Dr. Manhattan reveal to be as simple as possible because the character brings his own complexities enough. Um, I know that uh, what was it? that one of the movie one of the proposed movie versions of the graphic novel, I want to say it was maybe the Paul Greengrass version. Uh, there was a script where Dr. Manhattan, because they couldn't wrap their heads around the squid um which increasingly i don't quite understand why that was that crazy a thing because it's meant to be crazy in the graphic novel but i digress uh the solution to the plot was dr manhattan goes back and kills his young self thereby preventing all of this uh including the attack and all of that um that's a storyline that's out there and i could they maybe have cribbed from it and this is young john from future go back to past maybe but i feel like it doesn't there's just something in my gut that tells me it doesn't work the way we'd like it to
1: is cal dr manhattan
0: cal's coolness is notable but i'm reading it not as his otherworldly you know particles are particles when dead or alive i'm reading it more as cal is somebody who is of an agnostic faith and just as one might say, in all earnestness, to a child, uh, "Yes, we will see Uncle Judd again. We will all end up in heaven at the at the table of the Lord, and we will all be together. And we will live, uh, we will live together in in heaven." And just as that sounds palatable to most of our ears, I think to Pal, to Cal's perspective and perhaps the perspective of others, I mean, we don't see Angela disagreeing, him arguing for the opposite though it's not kind of the happy ending of people aren't dead because, you know, heaven, I think he's stating it with the same kind of firm sense of, no, my faith tells me that this is it. So let's make life, uh, you know, worth as much as we have because we were nothing. Then we were something and we will return to nothingness one day.
1: What was this accident that Cal had? Did he go into the intrinsic field generator in Russia? And he is really, mr Moscow.
0: well we were talking about story clock before and i feel like you know we're not yet at the halfway mark that'll occur halfway through the next episode but i feel like i feel like we're reaching a point in the season we're reaching this middle third uh where there can't be as many questions as there are answers so can we introduce a you know, Cal's flashback trip to Russia? Sure. And do we need to get Vite off the moon, coma, Mars, FBI prison, whatever? Yes. And at a certain point, we need to stop asking questions and start giving answers. Um, Let me ask you this, Pete. How was Lindelof with that dynamic in The Leftovers? Because I have not watched that. And, um, you know, certainly one of the knocks against Lost, not a knock that I particularly share past the... A third season end date uh, proclamation, but certainly the knock against Lost was, hey, give us a half an answer and then give us a brand new mystery, or sitting, oh, we finally got to the screen and there's patchy. See you in eight months where we get to pursue patchy. So how was that in the leftovers?
1: I think it holds true to the same type of storytelling that goes on in Lost, that it's not so much about the answer as it is about the journey that you go on. Uh, in the story. And you know, without speaking to spoilers with leftovers, I'm really hopeful Matt and you know viewers that haven't seen it will go back and and check it out. Uh, exploring these types of things, exploring these crazy storylines. I mean, leftovers goes to places that lost on network TV would have never, ever been allowed to go. I mean, I didn't even realize, Till the other day, Matt and I are recording the God and Me podcast for Fantastic Geek, and actress on that show, lead on that show, um, Violet Bean, had a bit part in the second season of Leftovers with uh, Regina King, with the actress who played Regina King's daughter on the show, and um, you know it, it's all connected, man.
0: <laughs> it's a very very small world at times, certainly. Uh, what else is in your theory pile?
1: How does Angela not know about Silk Spectre 2? Like, the Doctor Manhattan stuff is out there. Uh, these these people seem to be larger than life household names. She's in the car with her, and she doesn't know the the backstory. It seems like it's public knowledge, like, you know, the the lives of celebrities.
0: Uh, well, let me respond to your question with a question. And I know that you're not a big, you know, celebrity news kind of guy, but let's stick with that as a metaphor. Pete, if you want to find out more about Violet Bean, the lead in God Friended Me, how do you go about finding out more?
1: The intranet.
0: They don't have that in Watchmen. So, you know, could could the memory of silk spectre 2 have faded all the quicker because to find out that stuff you got to go down to the library you got to go
1: th- her mom's on the tv show i mean I, I i absolutely see what you're saying and it it is cloaked within the fabric of uh, this tv show but I, i'm just wondering how uh, that's where i feel we almost need to say you know that that that's kind of gone away or it's it's been scrubbed, whatever it might be, to attempt to transition her from vigilantism to, you know, formal law enforcement. Well, and I think that's
0: where you could be on to something in that these are good questions, these are reasonable questions to have after watching the episode. And then we have these PDPedia documents where uh her pardon me pd's take on the different uh people featured in lube uh, man what's that lube man <laughs> well there's that to, yes um but PDpedia's take on the show and you know uh lori Juspezik aka lori blake aka the comedian that was kind of dipped into a couple weeks ago on the PDpedia stuff here we have more of it so i think that we're kind of headed for a net answer, whether it's full flashback episode and these documents are supporting it or things of that sort.
1: I need you to commit. Is the millennium clock a weapon?
0: I think it is probably a weapon to all the well-meaning everyday people in, in the city. I think that lady true is going to be giving us some, uh, you know, break an egg to make an omelet kind of, uh, numbers in coming weeks
1: beyond is she a clone similar to or or you know messed around with genetically like the baby that uh lady true brings to the clarks i would say no
0: but what is the needle that she had in her arm with the true industries uh you know saline bag or whatever is in there
1: well that's giving her this lifelike dream from which her feet hurt Right,
0: maybe I mean certainly there's there's enough with that with that unusual experience that she's having with the, the needle and all that. there's enough there that you could hang a whole lot of story, and there is plenty of time to say, you know, and lady true is whatever transferring her consciousness from body to body or you know whatever it is that could potentially be be a terrible thing um beyond could be the the, the entrance point to that, particularly if we're headed towards some sort of, um, body copy mind consciousness, uh, lady true vite vite mental prison. You know, I, th- that's not necessarily a, a, a clear series of events that I've spelled out, but I feel like we're kind of in a muddy situation where stuff could be related.
1: Beyond of course, Vietnamese for a woman with secrets. Um, the, the dream that she has. I just think it, it comes back to what Vite may be experiencing. Um, but this whole idea, it certainly would would wash away the fixation we have over where are these babies coming from and that they can be incubated in this old- timey tube thing. I mean, the, if it's a fantasy, if it's a a thing of his mind, the prison of his mind that bite is in, it is a good way to dispel the logic, like a catapult that is flinging uh, bodies of these dead servants into some place he can't see.
0: Yeah. I mean, it increasingly plays like a dream and even down to, you know, if you want to, if you want to say they're laying, story clues for one candle one year two candles two years etc but he actually you know two weeks ago got clunked on the head by lady true he was living uh in secret somewhere else or whatever it might be and it's only recently that he's been taken out and he's in this weird dreamlike place um just as time is fluid and bendy and and unreliable in dreams so too might be the time narration that we think we are gleaming our assumption is one anniversary is one anniversary whereas it all could be you know last night
1: we get the end of things fall apart spoiled matt have, have you read
0: uh, i have not no
1: okay but just a little bit about the work itself uh published in 1958 It's about pre-colonial life in uh, southeastern Nigeria and uh, that the protagonist takes his life at the end. Too too much to bear. Things falling apart. Nothing lasts forever. You know, the eggs can't make an oblet without breaking them. It just feels like we're headed for tragedy. And – I think
0: the graphic novel tries to put a smiley face button on our on our chests at the end with uh, Laurie and Dan, you know, off on the run, secret new lives, things like that. Um, But you also can't get away from the tragedy of the end of the graphic novel, which is three million people dead, terrible, in order to bring about world peace, mathematically acceptable, but it's all going to fall apart because of Rorschach's journal which just means we're back to terrible tragedy we're back to three million people who died for no reason fast forward to the show but they did die for a reason because peace has been kept because the lie has been kept um it's this great seesaw of acceptable unacceptable acceptable unacceptable and maybe the show dares upset us off the sea saw uh come the end of the season
1: You know who doesn't upset us, Matt, are the people who head to patreon.com slash fantasticgeek.
0: Indeed, Pete, particularly in these super busy times, particularly as the ferryman that stores our our files, asks for the payment for all that bandwidth and storage, etc., that support. On patreon.com slash fantasticgeek is so very much appreciated by the people who have been longtime donors, short-time donors, and certainly we very much appreciate the idea of new donors checking out that website.
1: You can contribute for as little as a dollar a month, just 25 cents, a quarter a week, all sorts of exclusive content awaiting you there, and the feeling that you're helping us do what we do.
0: Pete, we have just started this long run of 37 podcasts from November 10th to January 4th. And uh, it's it's not just the monetary support, it's that support in spirit as we undertake this crazy, crazy journey.
1: Can't contribute to Patreon? Well, we got another offer for you. You can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Maybe mitigate some of the chuckleheads that do a drive by one star and don't even write anything. No, no criticism even just throw a, a one star egg at you.
0: Well, Pete, that also a great way to support the podcast and uh, very, very appreciated as well.
1: I'm picking up some psychic transmissions from our audience.
0: Pete, let's start with our poll on Twitter. Reviews for the episode, thoughts for the episode. Uh, One star, Waffles, got 5%. Two stars, Amicable End, got 0%. Three stars, Escape Possible, question mark, got 18%. And then a bit down from last week, but still a healthy 77% for four stars, Vivarium. Uh, We also had some tweets. Uh, This one from uh, our pal DJ Black, DJ underscore BLAK357 on Twitter. Uh, it's almost 4 a.m. local, and I may view this tonight, but I haven't rewatched the last two episodes, Decisions, Decisions. Love the pod and breakdown. Have to get my hands on that book soon.
1: Yeah, and I had uh, hit him up on Twitter. A lot of people rushing to to read it, and it, it is a quicker read. I mean, it's nowhere near as dense as the number of pages would make it seem, but there is the motion comic that was put out a couple years after The 2009 film, very, very faithful to uh, the graphic novel that uh, you can fire up on YouTube. There are 10 chapters. There would seem to just be nine floating around. The ninth one has both the ninth and 10th chapters if you are looking to do that on YouTube.
0: It's a little goofy to watch, but if that's, the, if that's the easiest way to take in the graphic novel, it certainly is an authentic way. Pete, back to Twitter, a tweet from James. It's at Big Killen. The more they show us, the deeper the mysteries get. Amazing acting and writing. Uh, Pete, this mirrored by Andre Yeager. That's at Dr. Polo 1983. Andre saying great writing and acting on this show definitely a water cooler show got to watch it again to make sure I didn't miss anything can't wait for all the storylines to converge on Watchmen
1: I think this show might be unbingeworthy. worthy your your head might blow up and squid might rain out your nose
0: <laughs> certainly I mean it's shows like this that make the argument to not drop all at once because there is so much to chew over speaking of chewing Pete a tweet from Tank is judging you. That's at Live L Y V E underscore Wire, uh, saying Watchmen was a vivarium omelet. And last but certainly not least, David Dansky. That's at Fixed Fun says show keeps on giving, revealing more and uh, posing more questions. Easter egg slash links to the OG comic more prevalent. The money spent on more uh, on more apparent. Thanks, PDpedia and Matt, for your continual entertaining cast. AOS (laughs) is your mothership. Watchmen is your grandfathership.
1: Oh, I love it. Pete,
0: what you got on your end?
1: Uh, Apple Podcasts. We have a five-star review left for us, courtesy of B. Lepo. The headline is Trustworthy Voices of Knowledge, and it reads... I have listened to a few different podcasts for the first two weeks of Watchmen, and out of all of them, these two guys are, all caps, hands down, the most informed, organized, and well produced of all. Above all, I trust what their assessments are. Their knowledge of the source material is incredible, so they can parse out many scenes that the novice would never know or catch. Uh, I have really looked forward to their under-the-hood breakdowns of each episode and the sections that follow. Well done, boys. Well, thank you,
0: B. Leppo. That brings a smile to my face. Uh, it's it's so great to hear your words, your appreciation, and to hear it as a review.
1: It is, and Watchmen is a very competitive podcast space that, you know, we decided to, I mean, we were one of the first out there uh, weighed into, so... Again, if you, even if it's just to give us a quick rating out of five stars, but if you can leave that review, again, you help people find us.
0: Pete, we certainly cannot wrap things up without our email from 7th Caval Steve, who says as follows, Dear Pete and Matt, This week I'm enjoying the Motel 6 Rock Springs, its less-than-comfortable beds, and free HBO. I want to focus on Surprise how the show is praising this current president. I mean, the understood, intelligent, smartest man in the world, Adrian Veidt, is obviously a direct copy for the smartest man in our world. And, of course, the lib eunuchs have gotten their blue fantasy and sent tr- I mean Veidt to prison. Or trying. But you know what? Both are working on a comeback. Sincerely, 7th Cavill Steve.
1: Steve continues to just leave me speechless when he sends us these emails uh thanks for adding to the conversation
0: it's uh it it certainly is a perspective pete that i had not initially considered so uh yeah steve adding to the uh adding to the to the the weave of how you can look at this show pete how can People be in touch with you to talk Watchmen, to talk Star Trek Short Treks, to talk The Mandalorian, to talk Godfriend Me, etc.
1: You can find me on Twitter at Peter, K e t e l a a 10,832 followers. Can't be wrong.
0: And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more.
1: Facebook.com/slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word. Like it today.
0: Well, Pete, for those listening on the pop culture podcast feed, we'll be back in uh, one days. That, of course, for Star Trek short treks If you're here for the uh, Watchmen, though, Watchmen Wednesday will be here before you know it, uh, Pete. It like time happens in a periodic and predictable way unless of course this is all a dream then we'll see you uh, shortly or never or in your nightmares but with that Pete I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word
1: we're getting to the good stuff